Advent is the beginning, the anticipation of what is to come. And as we think about what was and what still is, this reality of Christmas and how it changes everything, how it impacts our story, how many of you are excited for Christmas? Two of you, okay. I know it's December 2nd, and we have a little bit to get going here, but how many of you are also anticipating this season being really, really busy, right? And there's a part of you that maybe even wants to resist to say, I I just don't know if I want that busyness. But the reality is this season brings it every single year, doesn't it? And so in some ways, what we think about, what we get wrapped up in in this season is all the things we give. And the reality is that's a beautiful thing. And I hope you have a blast with all of your giving this year. But in the same way, I hope that you understand more fully that the beauty of this season is what has already been given. And that's what we want to look at for this next month as we make our way toward Christmas, as we begin to unpack a little bit of what Carol shared about, this idea of wonderful counselor and the hope that we find in all of who Jesus is, the actions and the thoughts that make Christmas real. And not just something of our imagination, but something that's captivating within us because Christmas is this idea of transformational change for those who give their heart to it. And it's something we can unpack and understand. So it's not just a season to give. Enjoy that part. That's okay. But this is really a season to to dive in and understand what's already been given to us. In fact, we get this verse from Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Isaiah chapter 9. Or if you have version, you can click along or open up the app and go to sermon notes and follow along there. But in Isaiah chapter 9, we begin to understand and see the Israelite people with uh, kind of in a, a moment of shadow, if you will. It's a precursor to something that's going to be kind of, uh, think of it like a, a spiritual timeout, if you will, is going to happen to the nation of Israel as Assyria is being used by God to actually bring punishment to the nation of Israel. This is beginning to have a great captivity and, and kind of doom is on the horizon and people can feel it and people can sense it. And yet into that moment, into that darkness, the prophet Isaiah is told, hey, prophesy this. And here's what he says, and the darkness will turn to light, might be the phrase that is in your Bible. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, because this is a moment of distress. The nation is getting ready to be attacked, and distress is there. It's, it's what is palatable in the nation, and yet something better is coming. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There is hope on the horizon. What's fascinating to me is that this is written in past tense, yet it hasn't happened yet. The the doom of the impending uh, Assyrian army is coming, not quite there yet, and yet this promise that's being written is written as if it's already happened, meaning God makes promises, and guess what? God keeps his promise. He never backs away from that. And so when he writes a promise, he says, look, this will come to be. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. There is a dawn that is coming. And then down to verse 6, it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, meaning his reign is going to last. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, his reign, his peace, there will be no end. God's saying, look, I know in a way this spiritual timeout's coming, and you had it coming. But the reality is, I'm, I'm telling you, a dawn will come in the future. It's a promise. There will be light and hope that comes back to your land and to you. This would be dispelled. Not all darkness is going to be here. Light will come. And he gives four descriptions of this coming Messiah, a prophecy of Jesus. He says he'll be a wonderful counselor. means this extraordinary divine advisor. He'll be a mighty God, a heroic God who fights on your behalf, an everlasting father, meaning an everlasting overseer of your life, a prince of peace, a captain who secures spiritual peace and tranquility on your behalf. Jesus will be this and a whole lot more. His reign will have no end. So as we celebrate Advent, we want to lean into these four descriptions of Jesus to help us understand not just the joy of giving, enjoy that, but the joy of what's been given and what we get to unpack and and realize as we live our life with Jesus. Now, wonderful counselor. A counselor is someone you listen to, someone that gives you guidance and advice on things that are important, and people will listen to advice of all kinds of counselors. How many of you have been given counsel before? I'm not even talking like trained counsel. I'm just talking like you got married and you got counsel. (laughs) Just just kidding. Uh, Sorry, dear. Um, But like you are just given advice. How many of you had parents? They gave you advice, okay? Growing up, you you had counsel, people speaking into you. We have so many people that speak into our lives. For some, it's talk show host on Fox News or CNN or famous people like Oprah and Ellen and Dr. Phil, and I don't know how he got there, but he did. Folks who listen to political pundits or religious leaders or coaches or comedians or actors or singers, athletes, entrepreneurs, professors, doctors, and the list goes on and on. And some of those counselors become so apparent and so influential in our life. See, sometimes we receive good, wise counsel. How many of you have received wise counsel before? Maybe it was from a parent and they passed on some wisdom to you, or friends who passed on some wisdom to you. Maybe you were given some wisdom by experts, or people in their field, or friends that you trusted. Maybe you had someone who went to a restaurant and said, I got food poisoning there, don't go there. That's wise counsel, friends. That's wise counsel, isn't it? Sometimes we get bad counsel from folks we listen to. Like, you have a buddy in the car, and you get pulled over for speeding, and your friend says, listen, they can't give you a ticket if they don't catch you. Step on it. Not wise counsel, okay? That's, that's bad advice. Maybe you pull a forgotten food item from the back of the fridge and your friend says, look, I read the other day that mold is really just the beginning form of penicillin. I think you're gonna be fine, go for it. Bad advice, right? If you still got Thanksgiving leftovers, I'm just gonna tell you, throw it away, throw it away. A counselor is someone who listens to you and that you can listen to. Someone who you can accept advice from. Here's the reality. Whoever you listen to the most is your greatest counselor. So here's the question of the night. Who are you listening to the most? See, whoever you're listening to the most is your greatest counselor speaking into your life. So who are you listening to 
the most? It's imperative that we answer that question. And each one of us may have a different answer to that. But it's imperative for you to determine who am I listening to the most. See, one of the problems of Israel back in Isaiah's day and why this impending doom of Assyria is actually coming, if you just go back one chapter to chapter 8, verse 19, it says this, When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? See, God has this against the people of that day. Listen, you are listening to bad counselors. You're seeking out bad advice. You're not even asking me what I care about in life and what I have for you. You're seeking out wisdom somewhere else from people who are dispensing just, just folly to you. You're consulting the dead to give you wisdom for the living. Why? And so God's actually sending this spiritual time out. Often when you read in the Old Testament, that's, that's kind of what's happening. Is God saying to the people, listen, you have, you've gone off the rails. And you're not even listening to me. And so therefore, I'm going to try to get your attention. Because I love you too much just to let you go. And so I'm going to put you in this spiritual time out, if you will. And, and this impending doom is going to come, but it's not the end. I promise. So God is telling his people, you're walking in darkness, in the shadow of death, because you have listened to the wrong counselors. A dark day is coming, but listen, dawn will rise again. Hope is on the horizon, because unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is given on your behalf. And he's going to be someone that you can listen to, and you can know his advice is true and right, and you'll be able to stake your life on what he tells you. No mortal man or woman is going to be able to be capable of giving you the advice and the wisdom anywhere as good as he can. The word wonderful means marvelous and extraordinary beyond the normal capacity. In other words, the counsel of Jesus will be transcendent beyond human wisdom. That doesn't, he doesn't need or want counsel from everyone, anyone else. He doesn't go somewhere to get counsel. He is the counsel. Romans eleven thirty four. 34, Paul writes this, reminds us of his judgments and his ways are unsearching. They're unsearching and they're deep. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has his, been his counselor? No one. God stands alone. He doesn't seek counsel. He's in a class by himself. And it's his wisdom that is true of what we need in life. See, if you're looking for guidance in life, let me introduce you to the wonderful counselor, Jesus himself. You think back to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of the sermons Jesus would have given often as he traveled around. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, toward the end of chapter 7, he tells this story about this wise and foolish builder. And he says this foolish builder is like this guy who goes out and he builds his house in the sand right by the ocean. And when the waves come and the wind blows, his house just topples with this great crash. But a wise builder builds his house on the rock. And when the storms come, the winds blow and the waves come, his house stands because of the foundation it's on. And then he says to the people, those who listen to my words and put them into practice are like that wise builder. And the very next verse records this. And the people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority, 
not like the teachers of the day that they followed. There was something about the way Jesus said and what he had to say that captivated people. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor. And he's got wisdom far beyond human wisdom and far beyond what we can manufacture and what we can create. His wisdom is there. Now, I don't want to give the impression that you should only seek out God's counsel, that we shouldn't look to other people, because the truth is, and I've said this a lot, I think healthy people seek out counsel. I think unhealthy people hide. And I think God's given us some wisdom to say, look, there's, there's wisdom among us that we can learn from one another. I have some great friends who are very wise counselors, who really have a heart to to help people where they're at. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, there is success. They succeed. A wise person is someone who listens to the counselors around them. A wise person heeds the advice of people they can trust. A wise child looks to his parents for advice. A wise husband talks things over with his wife. Can I get an amen? That's wise, gentlemen. And a wise woman listens to her husband. There are many skilled and trained counselors. (laughs) You shouldn't be elbowing people. (laughs) No matter how good the wisdom and advice of the people around us, and we should seek it, it's still just human wisdom, friends. It may have some godly wisdom in it as a follower of Jesus, but it's still human to human. And there's some wisdom that we need from God. Isaiah records later on, Isaiah 55, I encourage you to read it this week. It's an incredible chapter. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, because we need the wisdom of God. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need the wisdom of God into the scenarios and situations and the circumstances that we have to navigate. We can get wisdom and get counsel from people that's important, but it's not enough. We need the wisdom of God to speak into our hearts. I love Psalm 119, verse 24 says this, your statutes, God, they're my delight. They are my counselors. Meaning the word of God is alive and active. It's got wisdom for us in this day and age. It is not outdated, it's not antiquated. It has wisdom for your life. It has truth for your life. People were continually amazed about Jesus. Here's what you're gonna understand. When you read through the gospel accounts of Jesus, here's what you're gonna find. 35 different times, 35 different times in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're gonna read the simple phrase, and the people were amazed. Why? There was something that captivated people about Jesus, about the way he spoke, the way he interacted, the way he loved, what he had to say about life. Matthew 7, we talked about this. He taught as one who had authority. People were amazed. Matthew 8, he speaks and the wind and the waves obey. Who does that? And the disciples were amazed in that boat going, I'm more fearful now of who's in the boat than the storm that was impending around me. There's something about this guy. Matthew 9, a man is healed, and the crowd says, nothing like this ever happens before. There was something about Jesus and the way he taught, the way he healed that just captivated people. Matthew 13, they were amazed. Where did he get this wisdom 
and these powers. He's the wonderful counselor, friend. He didn't attain them. He came with them. He doesn't need to seek it out from someone else. He is it. And he has the wisdom for life. He came as a wonderful counselor, not just in a day gone by, but for you and for me and for this day and the day in front of you. Guess what? He's going to be a wonderful counselor tomorrow, Monday morning. You need that. So do I. He's going to be a wonderful counselor on Wednesday. Guess what? Six months from now, he will still be a wonderful counselor. Guess what? Six years from now, Jesus will still be the wonderful counselor. Guess what? 60 years from now, he will still be the wonderful counselor. 6,000 years from now, none of us are here. Guess what he's still going to be? The wonderful counselor. His wisdom is beyond, and it is for us. We've been given a wonderful counselor. We didn't earn him. We didn't deserve him. We didn't scheme our way to acquire him. Why? Because he is a gift for you. A child is born. A son is what? Given. That's the beauty of Christianity. It is grace. It is all grace. Nothing but grace. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the gift we've been given, the wonderful counselor. We said it earlier. Friends, there are hundreds and thousands of voices in this world who are giving you counsel and giving you instruction. Who you listen to the most is your greatest counselor. The question is, who are you listening to the most? That's the question you have to wrestle with. Is it the people in the news? Is it the person down the hall? Is it the classmate who's in your classroom with you saying something? Is it your boss? Is it the the internal thoughts and the tapes that run from your childhood? Who you listen to the most is your greatest counselor. They're speaking into your life. Who are you listening to the most? Thinking about all of the incredible things that Jesus has done. He is the wonderful counselor, friend. Now, often when we think of counselor, we think of therapist. We associate those words. But I want you to get a bigger understanding of wonderful counselor. Because Jesus isn't just the great therapist in the sky or the great therapist in your heart. He is way more than that. In fact, in ancient times, a counselor was actually more of a strategist. A counselor was actually to be remembered in the ancient world. A counselor was someone who devised plans for military victories. That was a counselor. And guess what? Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And he was a strategist on your behalf. And he secured a victory that for a battle that you may not even known you were in. And I can tell you, he secured a victory for you and for me in a battle we never would have won. Against the pull of sin, the pull of brokenness, the grip of sin, to try to save ourselves, we never could have done it. But Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, secured a victory for us. And in all those ways, not just the wise counsel he gives in life, 
but the victory that he secured for our behalf, I hope it would cause you this Christmas to just sit back and say, wow. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer for myself this Christmas, that somewhere in here, between December 2nd and December 25th, you would have a few wow moments. How many of you have ever said wow before from something? Something that happened. For some of you, you were standing in a church aisle and the, the, your wife actually walked down, she showed up that day, and she walked down and, and she actually stood next to you and said, I'm here, and, I, and she didn't run away. And you're like, wow, I never thought this would happen. That was my life. You know, it just for some of you, maybe you were there at the birth of your first child, and just something about that moment, you're like, wow. It just takes your breath away. Maybe it was a promotion that you got or something that happened to you in life that you just, it caught you off guard. It just made you say, wow. I want you to think of a moment like that because there's something about that. Anne Lamont wrote a book called Help, Thanks, Wow. It's all about prayer. And she talks about and describes this response of wow that she says it's often offered with a gasp. It's a sharp intake of breath when we can't think of another way to capture this feeling or this sense that we have, this spontaneous insight that maybe came our way or this incredible moment that we're a part of, this unexpected flash of love or grace. Wow means you've not become dulled to wonder. Friends, may this Christmas... May you not become dulled to the wonder of the wonderful counselor that is yours. That unto you a child is born, a son is given, and his name is Jesus, and he is a wonderful counselor. May you once again have a sharp intake of breath in some moments, and may you whisper, wow, may that word come across your lips as you consider all God has done for you and you didn't earn it, and you didn't deserve it, but his reckless love came for you. May you be captivated again as the wonderful counselor, again and again and again. You see him taking thought of you. You see him showing you something through his word to say, this is for you. I want you to know I love you like this. I want you to know I have wisdom for this scenario or this circumstance or this situation that you're facing and I will not leave you alone in the middle of it. I'm here. May you be captivated again by the beauty of that. See, Jesus gets us. That's one of the beautiful things of a counselor is they understand. We're reminded in Hebrews 4.15, it says this, that he has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, Jesus, the beautiful part of the incarnation is that Jesus came and he experienced everything that we experience and he didn't blow it and he was perfect and he came so that we could know, hey, I'm with you in this moment. I've been there and I know. And, and you and I are gonna go through this moment together because I'm a wonderful counselor and I'm right with you. And, and you know what? Even if you mess up, I'm going to pick you back up, and we're going to go through it again, and we're going to try to get it right. That's the beautiful part of Jesus as our counselor, the Holy Spirit given to us. Jesus spoke about that. As on the way to the cross, he said to his disciples, look, I know I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you someone even better. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God himself 
to be with you, to be inside of you, as you put your faith in me. John 16 says this, Jesus promised his followers, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you, meaning the wisdom of Jesus is coming to you through the Holy Spirit. And we get to travel everyday life. He spent his spirit to each believer. The Holy Spirit marks us. It's a deposit guaranteeing our future with God himself, our hope with him. And I wonder this Christmas what guidance you might be seeking and you might be needing. What circumstances or situations are happening in life where you're saying, I I need wisdom? And you can seek out counsel from others. There's wisdom in that. It's a good thing to do. But you need more than that. God, what do you want me to do? I need your wisdom for this circumstance and this situation. I need to understand what I need to do. And so, God, would you guide me in that? That's a prayer God loves to answer. That doesn't mean he's going to answer audibly. It doesn't mean he's going to write you a letter. I prayed for a letter for a long time. Never got one. And I figured out if I would have gotten one, I would have done it all in my own power. That was the point. I just need to continually be dependent upon God. He is our wonderful counselor. Listen, not just a wonderful counselor long ago, but a wonderful counselor for today. And guess what? A wonderful counselor for tomorrow for 60 years from now, 60 minutes from now. He's a wonderful counselor. Lots and lots of voices in our world. Whoever you're listening to the most is your greatest counselor. So who are you listening to the most? That's the question to wrestle with. If you're not a believer, maybe you're here and you've said yes to Jesus, then Tune back in to his voice through prayer, through reading his scripture, through being around people that are following after Jesus as well and saying, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's the wise thing to do. How do I live the best possible life? Ask your wonderful counselor. If you're not yet there and you haven't quite said yes to Jesus yet, let me tell you, wisdom flows from Jesus, but it only flows through a relationship with Jesus. He's not some great great guru in the sky that you just send out prayers to. He desires to have a relationship with you. And in Mark 16, 16, it says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And that's hard to hear, maybe. But that is the truth. The reality that Jesus wants to be connected in a relationship with you, and he has wisdom for you. But it only flows as a wonderful counselor in your everyday life as you're relationally connected to him. The best gift you can give yourself this Christmas is to finally stop pushing back and to say yes to Jesus. Can you do that when you still have questions and doubts? Yeah. People throughout history have. I did. I just got to the point where I realized I can either counsel myself and I can try to figure it out all on my own, or I can begin to aim my life and follow after this Jesus who seems to have done a lot for me and has the best interest for me in his life and on his radar screen. And I want to encourage you. Each of us is given an opportunity. Corey Ten Boom wrote this, if Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem and yet not in me, then I would still be lost. This happens through a relationship. Each one of us is given 
a chance, a choice to receive the Messiah or to not. It's given to us as a choice. So my encouragement to you, if you're here in that, then start this Christmas season by saying yes. As yes as much as you know and begin that journey with him. If you want to talk about that, I would love to talk with you or talk to Brian or the people that brought you or just we'd love to help unpack what does that mean to say yes to Jesus. He is our wonderful counselor, not just in days past, but for today and for tomorrow and for the next day and the day after that. We're surrounded by voices, friends, shouting counsel, shouting instruction. Whoever you're listening to the most is your greatest counselor. So who are you listening to the most? Father, that is that question that just hangs there. For some of us, we need to really wrestle with that. Because maybe we've been a follower of you for a long time, but we've gotten caught up listening to a whole lot of other voices. And we've given them permission to speak into our life and we react and interact because of those voices and it takes us in a direction that's just clouded and it's missing you. Jesus, we need to hear from you. You alone are the wonderful counselor and you promise to never leave nor forsake us. God, for some of us here, we may be on a spiritual journey just trying to investigate a little bit more of who this Jesus really is and maybe even today, it's just starting to feel a prodding within our own heart to say, I don't even know what I'm saying yes to, but I want to. I'm not even sure I have all my questions answered yet, but there's just something about this Jesus I want to say yes to. Would you help us in that journey? Fathers, we take communion here as we sing another song to worship you. We remember that it's your life and your death and your resurrection, Jesus, that paved a way for us to have life with God through you, through faith in you, that what you accomplished not only was a counselor for us for wisdom, but a strategist who saved us, that it's through your brokenness of your body and through your bloodshed that we have forgiveness of sins, that we can be made right with you, a holy God. We're definitely not that. But that we can have a relationship with you through faith. And so as we take communion, we remember that again. As we anticipate and expect for you to move this Christmas in our hearts, would you help us to have some wow moments where we're captivated again in wonder of all of who you are and what you accomplished and what you have to say about living the best possible life. You've come to give us life to the full. We want that. So Jesus, in these next couple moments, for each one in this room, would you stir their hearts in the way that it needs stirred, refresh their soul. May you captivate us and wow us again.